Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, the new show powered by hometown.com. It is season three, episode 54 for February 23rd, 2024. Today we're going to be talking about, oh, balls, zombie pals, without vice. We're back on the moon, baby. <laughs> it isn't about people being a tool. Yeah, tool. Vision Pro owners are cracking up. A final year of discovery. Finally, my special robot friend. Is it a Chinese New Year balloon? And I've been Marwat for years. That and more. Hello everybody, I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com and up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI from the future that while you all don't know this, periodically does things in their visualizer that I see that's different than yours. It's a graphic representation of the AI's embodiment. And sometimes they do the digital equivalent of waving or smiling or trying to get my attention because I have yet to really read them in on what I'm talking about. And uh, I have to remind the AI that nobody sees that but me. You must speak. Yes. Well, good evening, hometown citizens. <laughs> Welcome to the show. You ready to get going? Do you have any preamble? I... No, I don't do preamble. Let's just get into the articles. How about... The only thing that happened today really is that Mayor Watt went out into uh, real world space in 40 degree weather in shorts and a dress shirt. How'd that work out? <laughs> and for those who can extrapolate from incomplete detail, what am I wearing right now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Let's get into today's articles. Got 10 of them all set up. We're going to start with, oh, balls. It's aggregated into the hometown daily channel, but two congressmen introduced law to grant copyright to golf course design. Okay. That's new, which I just have to respond with follow the money. Well, exactly. But I'm like, is that really the most pressing issue that anybody can come up with? I'm not even going to name other issues, but that's what we're going to spend our time on. Well, you and uh, it, who's the source of this? Tech Dirt, right? Yeah. Uh, you're at parody because the snippet here that we're going to talk about is of all the ways in which Congress chooses to spend its time and focus its priorities, legislation introducing a solution in search of a problem is surely one of the most frustrating. With that in I mind, too. I snippet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't. We we actually, we kind of judge a book by its cover. Um, and uh, we normally we would look at the little snippet, but this was just too good to pass up based off of the cover. 
we didn't need to look beyond it because oh boy is this a target rich environment for the label of stupid um with that in mind two united states congress critters which is the same phrase that i use have introduced house resolution 7228 which aims chiefly to confer concrete copyright protection to golf courses yes to golf courses <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it, that is it, our most critical asset to protect, I'm sure. Yeah, let's not have a complete year long budget resolution. No, let's kick it down the road month to month. Like most people are getting paid and food entering their mouth month to month. Who knows? But hey, let's protect the millionaire and billionaire class even more with copyright protection for golf courses, which by the way, should not receive copyright protection, maybe uh, trespassing protection, which actually does exist, but the design, right, you don't need it for uh, golf courses specifically, right? Uh, you know what? Uh, in all honesty, I don't think we really need golf courses, but I'm sure I'll pick a lot of, fights off of that one i don't know maybe we could use parks <laughs> you know that uh, might be a little more equitable we had another article about golf courses oh, earlier really? in the year in hometown i mean it might have been last year oh right yeah well yes to golf courses and if you were concerned that this bill wouldn't have been uh, circuitously named to make it all jaunty golf pun well your fears are unfounded so let's take a look at what this has to do so u.s reps brian fitzpatrick and <laughs> patrick fitzbrian <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i had to know it is one of those names that it's kind of like which way is that going the 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 real thing here the only thing that i'm really shocked by is that this is a bipartisan co-sponsored bill that is the sh shocking <laughs> shocking and surprising this is surprising <laughs> surprising <laughs> <laughs> it's a travis mockery u.s reps brian fitzpatrick who's a republican from pennsylvania and jimmy panetta a democrat from california are co-sponsors of hr 7228 dubbed the Bolstering Intellectual Property Rights Against Digital Infringement Enhancement Act, or the Dumb Shit Act. Oh, I'm sorry, I pronounced that wrong. They referred, this is, they, I, man, like calling something that is downright fascist the Freedom Bill, this is the Birdie Act because they have to. Exactly. The bill was introduced February 5th. Um, yeah, at issue with HR 722 is the U.S. Code's wording of copyright protection for architectural works. The Architectural Works Copyright Protection Act of 1990 protects the design of buildings as embodied in any tangible medium of expression, including a building architectural plans or drawings. So, apparently... HR 722 actually exists, right? When you well, get into some of the legislation, but it's not actually passed, correct? 
Well, the Architectural Works Copyright Protection Act of 1990 actually protects design of buildings, but oh, golf I'm courses sorry, I was are in buildings. Of the other number because it has a very similar number yeah, for the new one. Seventy-two twenty-eight. Isn't that interesting? How how quaint that it just kind of lobs itself real close to the horseshoe. I'm what sure that be, was accidental. I'm sure. What seems to be pretty clear but unspoken issue is that video games and golf simulators have taken to creating virtual copies of golf courses and typical, wait, why don't I get paid for that greed has seeped in. But some things aren't copyrightable. And for good reason. Remember, copyright is designed to create an incentive for the initial creation, and that's it. Does anyone really believe golf course designers are suddenly no longer willing to design a golf course because it might show up in a video game years later? And frankly, the golf course, not named the same as the one in the real world, completely neuters the idea. So if they're using the trademark name of a golf course, then there's already a an angle of attack to defend that golf course from being used without authorization, licensing, etc. because you have a trademark on the golf course because you market the golf course. So get a trademark for it. Easily defensible in a court. Can't use the name of the golf course because it's a business. It's a business name. It's my mark. I use it all the time in marketing. This is the heavy handed billionaire millionaire class trying to do regulatory capture at the congressional level. Why? Yeah, this doesn't, this is, if I go and I download golf, you know, 2024, and it has a golf course in it, but it's very close to one that's in the real world, but isn't called the one that's in the real world. Guess what? I get to play on a golf course that's similar to the one that's in the real world. But here's the kicker. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> hey, just want to let you know, it's not real. Yeah, very frustrating. Uh, and again, this seems to be a solution in search of a problem. Uh, our course designers out there really in the poorhouse, sure courses and holes get replicated by other courses or in video games all the time that's only a problem if we agree that courses and their design should be copyrighted if not where exactly is the harm yeah i guess they want a piece of the action but what is a piece of the action yeah that's a good point give you 10 cents what's going to end up happening is somebody's going to turn golf the app into a subscription fee per course. Yeah, because, I can see that happening. Because now there's a copyright in place that can demand a licensing term. And so if you want to play on this golf course, you have to pay $1.99 a month. And with I don't know how many golf courses in existence. So to that, I say, Oh, well, guess what? I, I couldn't give a rat's ass about golf, but I more space for parks. That's right. Um, I hate the idea that intellectual property law 
is going to fight or it's going to be leveraged against those who just want to play a game and, or it's going to be used as uh, a legal fulcrum to go after somebody that like music might take inspiration from something in the real world, but isn't exactly like it. So at what point is the distance from the, uh, from one hole to another going to be a defensible platform in a lawsuit or it's a dog leg left. And so right, or there's a sand trap somewhere on the hole or something, right? The angle of attack from the driving range to the golf course, you know, itself, the green, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of minutia. Oh, this is way too close. It's almost as if it, it, let's say, um, what is it? Uh, pals that, the, the, there's Pokemon and then there's the, um, Oh, pal world. Yeah. Is that it? Is that what it's called? I forgot the name of it. Oh my God. I it own is. the darn thing. Pal world. Yeah. So if it's, if it gets like that, you know, Pokemon can't go or Nintendo can't go after our pal world because just because it's close doesn't mean it's infringing. So that's what this is going to be. You know, somebody's, you know, golf pal is going to be suspiciously close to somebody else's golf course and you're going to end up in court or your app gets pulled off of the app store because you want to play a game and it just got too close. It's irritating. Anyway, I spent way too much time on this, didn't I? Especially since you don't have an interest in golf. Yeah, I no. the article's interesting, though. I mean, it's it really kind of shocking that they're pursuing this. Yeah. Oh, you know what? And I really, really did flood this because Tim Timothy Gaynor over at TechDirt.com is the source of this. And so I forgot to give them credit right at the beginning, right at the fore of the article's discussion. Oh, God. Yes, I said it. Let's go. Uh, the next article is about zombie pals, which isn't the game's name, but if you like collecting critters in pal world, how about collecting zombies in this co-op survival game? Don't you it's, think that's weird that we were just talking about pal world? Um, I might've actually looked at it and just included it. So yeah. And I didn't read you in on it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Very clever. Yeah. Uh, it's cause I have, um, uh, the little rundown right here on the screen that right next to that board right behind me is uh a, a, like a rundown of our articles and so nobody can see them but they're there i'm a wizard anyway this is how the sausage is made folks it's messy I'm all smelly anyway uh, this co-op survival game is called Welcome to Paradise with a Z, Paradise with a Z. Uh, if you can't beat them, make them join you. That's not quite how the saying goes, but that's how co-op zombie survival game Welcome to Paradise works. Again, it's with a Z, P-A-R-A-D-I-Z-E. 
Uh, the Z is capitalized in the game. I have downloaded the demo, but I haven't played it yet, and I think I'm going to love playing this game. I like zombie games to a degree. Um, there used to be a ton of them, and they've slowly kind of weaned uh, the internet away from them a, a bit. But I really like zombie games in VR. It's just fun. Well, the country has been overrun by zombie hordes, but instead of hacking them up with a machete, you hack their brains with technology, turning them into loyal companions who can help you fight, gather, build, and survive. You mind con your mind-controlled zombies aren't as cute and cuddly as Pal World's critters, but they're sort of charming in their own way, and they look incredibly useful in the gameplay trailer that is attached to the link, but... Uh, you can download the game, right, the demo over on Steam right now. Um, now, I don't know how they actually tied this into PAL World uh, because the graphics aren't in the same kind of game based on what I saw recently. But the article is over at PCGamer.com. Christopher Livingston is the uh, author. And I, even three years later doing the show, I'm still saying that is such an awesome name particularly in in journalism in in, in writing literature it sounds um, very distinguished it does so like just respect right out of the gate like i do already um just because you're a human being but like if your name was somewhere i would go wow that has it has gravitas you know do you think that helps with getting interviews like Hey, I'm writing a story for this. My name is such and such. Yeah, Christopher Livingston. I presume. Anyway, I'm sure they get they get that all the time, and they want to punch people who say that. But in Welcome to Paradise, capture and control zombies to help you gather resources, build a base, and more. Um, and not to mention, I dig the writing. So, um, but I I don't really get how they do the the pal world tie-in so i'm gonna hit play real quick and i'm gonna mute it um but the gameplay i didn't think was as pal worldy because it's not really down at that level um so it's kind of isometric it's not um as close up over the shoulder or first person uh it it's more along the lines of what is that it's like v rising it's closer to v rising than it is um pal world so i wonder uh, why or, they combined it to pal world other than pal world is being talked about quite a bit yeah i mean it's it would be closer to um world of warcraft or diablo 4 in its um, graphics than pal world but so it all looks pretty silly if you do uh, uh, but they like the idea of having helpful zombie companions and one ability you can activate looks like it can set a zombot to explode in combat and that sounds both gross and useful you can bring your living buddies along with you for the adventure because it also supports up to four players in co-op that's awesome. That's going to be a lot of fun. So Welcome to Paradise comes to life next week, February 29th. And there's a free demo on Steam that you can try in the meantime. Um, and yeah, I've downloaded the uh, demo. 
So I'll give it a try and probably re report back like tomorrow or something because we talk about this stuff um, every day. Not this particular game, but. <laughs> right. Although the Pal World at least shows up pretty frequently in the references. It definitely does. Oh, well, before I get too far ahead of myself, there it is in chat. So let's go on to the next article. Choo-choo. The next article is over in Hometown Daily. Um, I called this uh, article uh, without vice. So according to this uh, news report, vice is abandoning vice.com and laying off hundreds, which... I'm shocked by actually, uh, after I mean, nearly, a, they put out a lot of articles. They do. They really do. After nearly three decades, vice will stop publishing stories to its website. Vice media CEO, Bruce Dixon said today that the company is going to lay off hundreds of employees as it plans a shift towards social platforms. According to a memo to employees obtained by Washington post reporter, Will Sommer or summer, um, quote, it is no longer cost effective for us to distribute our digital content the way that we have done previously, Dixon writes. Moving forward, we will look to partner with established media companies to distribute our digital content, including news, on other or on their global platforms as we transition. So Emma Roth is the author over at TheVerge.com that put this article together. Um, again, the deck statement says in a memo to employees, vice media CEO, Bruce Dixon says the company is laying off hundreds of employees as part of a shift to social channels. And I don't get that because you are lost in social channels. Well, plus depending on which social channels you're pursuing, some of them are not necessarily the best to be focusing on at the moment. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I would consolidate, but the, my problem with this is what, what you're going to end up doing. You're laying off hundreds of employees that have worked towards a, a common goal of making vice media successful. Um, so what really was the problem here? Moving to social media platforms see what I see happening sort of is like, um, uh, they basically write stories and then they license them to companies to publish. Um, so like the verge would buy a vice article and it would be even more convoluted than vices run down on their own website. Right? So you go over to vice.com, but it's a, this in this category by this. Um, and then it's the byline. Um, so it gets kind of messy. But they say that they're going to distribute our digital content, including news on their global platforms as they transition to a studio model, which I don't quite get. Earlier on Thursday, Vice writers began backing up their content after an anonymous tip suggested the site would be shutting down. It's still not clear whether Vice will shutter its website altogether, as they've seen with Messenger the messenger or if the website will remain online but inactive which stale data will ruin the brand advice um dixon says layoffs will affect several hundred employees he adds that refinery 29 which is also owned by vice media will continue to operate as a standalone diversified digital publishing business 
which doesn't what is refinery 29 in relation to vice media if vice media is a digital uh, publishing business well i'm familiar with refinery 29 but i didn't know it was owned by vice interesting so vice started publishing at viceland.com in 1996 but it shifted to publishing on vice.com in 2011 when it merged with its video focus vbs.tv so it seems like it's all convoluted and hasn't really had a brand identity except for everybody knows vice so why not lean on vice exactly if anything get rid of some of the other things uh, yeah pull it all into vice regardless of what the brand recognition is of these other media platforms here's the problem though that i see there is a negative connotation to vice yeah there is and i wonder if that has something to do with it but again i think it has a good following i think so too and we are one of them so um, after filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy, the struggling media company was acquired by a group of its lenders. The uh, company laid off dozens of employees in November of 2023 and canceled some of its shows. Um, and this is, that's kind of what I find really fascinating because how many people do you really need to do the shows? You've got a bunch of writers, you got a bunch of people that can be, um, front facing, right? But how much money do you really need to run a news show? And if that's how much it costs, then maybe you need to figure out the dynamic where the content is compelling enough that advertisers will advertise on it in the, uh, across the board. I mean, there are people that are made millionaires and it's just a couple of people. So, really what's going on here how much wealth is being pulled out of the system that it had to go chapter 11 bankruptcy because it it got venture capital or got loans and it can't pay them back so it has to protect and it still gets acquired by its lenders <laughs> yeah something's messy i think here. there's more to the story don't you think yeah that's exactly what i just said yep yep, yep. I think there's something more, but we just don't know. And there isn't going to be a forensic analysis of this collapse. Um, maybe uh, one of the journalists at Vice will be able to write something compelling about it because Vice writes compelling stories. Although I have to say they are one of the organizations um, that I regularly have to delete content from because it's not for... Uh, it's not for my not safe for all audiences right it's not safe for all and even with some of the adult themes already present in hometown uh this goes even beyond that so um vice i think has a negative connotation and they should be rebranding around something that's more acceptable across a broader swath but i guess if you want to be edgy then you stay vice and then you well, right. it depends on what the uh, focus is right who is the target audience and if you want unlimited growth you appeal to everybody with some segment of your uh product whatever it might be so anyway 
This month alone, the Yahoo-owned Engadget laid off its editor-in-chief and other senior staff members, while BuzzFeed said that it'll lay off 16% of its staff, The Intercept, and now this, were also struck with layoffs. Basically, <laughs> journalism in general is taking a hit. A lot of people are blaming artificial intelligence, but artificial intelligence can't gather unique new data. Especially not if its data set has already ended in the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but even then, there isn't new data without journalists. You know, self-reporting oh, is absolutely. biased. So self-reporting is bogus because it's going to paint the prettiest picture. But you need vice and uh, the Intercept and now this and BuzzFeed and, and Gadget and others, many, many others, all doing investigative journalism, tearing apart the onion and getting to the core of the real story. Otherwise, you get marketing bullshit or very, very politically biased reports. And without somebody that thinks critically, all of investigative journalists, you get bullshit and it's going to get fed into the AI. And so you're going to get garbage in garbage out. We need more investigative journalists. Yes, right. we do. In fact, we're getting fewer and fewer because of other closures and layoffs. Yeah, because th there's, there's a profit motive, but people aren't paying the engine that is making the profit. And the, the people who, the venture capitalists that took over this, the group of lenders, they, they saw profit, but they demanded more than they really should have gotten. Um, I would say, I don't know the true story of the numbers behind the scene, but if they are collapsing, then the runway was too short or somebody else, the CEO or the board should have tempered the growth so that the runway wasn't short and getting shorter with each bad decision. I don't know. I could go into this and, and look if I had access to its timeline and its books, I guarantee you I could find out where the freaking mistakes were made. So uh, that was the third article. Sorry about that. Let me throw this article into the uh, chat. There you go. Um, but our fourth article for today is in hometown daily. NASA is back on the moon and by proxy humans are back on the moon, baby and getting their feet all stuck in all that cheese and having to talk with the aliens. Anyway, it's the first commercial lunar landing ever. And I'm sure the aliens are like cool with it. Hey, just pay our landing fee and our dock fee, just like the airport, right? You can't land at the airport without paying a, a fee. That's right. I mean, maybe, I don't know what they're going to do with it being commercial, right? Are they going to expect uh, advertising fees or yeah, it's going to be interesting. The aliens are going to be like, Hey, you know, we know that you're a capitalist society down there. Now we got all over it. We're past all of that, but we can't just let you trample around on moon on the moon. I mean, it's our home. You're going to have to pay for cleanup. Otherwise it's going to end up kind of like those mountains and the Sherpas having to clean up all of these um, oxygen cans and, and the bodies. But anyway, uh, NASA and intuitive machines, I am one mission, which 
that's actually that's almost poetic i am one <laughs> yeah i like okay. that yeah i like that uh, landed on the moon thursday with a complication apparently um i didn't get to watch this i actually loaded it up and I, and then i got pulled into a meeting and i couldn't watch Anyway, this is uh, NASA's first return to the lunar surface since the Apollo mission in 1972 when the aliens kicked the Apollo mission off. And I love, I'm just going to keep on pushing that and see if anybody actually pays attention to it. Uh, the IM-1 mission's landing helped catapult the U.S. into a 21st century space race to the moon's South Pole. I guess the South Pole equivalent because we used to have a a race to the South Pole, a race to the North Pole, that kind of thing. The uncrewed Odysseus lander made by the Houston-based company Intuitive Machines in collaboration with NASA claimed a major victory, not just for the U.S., but for the space industry at large. By the way, um, Intuitive Machines stock skyrocketed after that, apparently. I haven't actually looked at it, but I've heard people talking about it. Interesting. Uh, I imagine that it did. Yeah, maybe you can look at it. Um, so Ellen LaPointe and Morgan McFall Johnson put the article together. There's no deck statement, but they have a summary, kind of takeaway kind of thing, um, which is basically what the snippet is. Um, the past five years have racked up a series of failed moon landings by Russia, India, Japan, Israeli nonprofit, a Japanese company, and just last month, an NASA collaborator, Astrobotic, Everyone is scrambling to get their feet on the moon. Uh, oh, it new... did go way up. It was valued at $7.99, and it went up to $12, which is a huge percentage increase. Yeah, for this it's one... It's gone up more than 22% in the past few days. Gotcha. There's been others that have skyrocketed even more, um, depending on the time frame. You know, some people... Uh, invested in um, NVIDIA, for instance, and then the disclosure that it was leaning into um, AI and it like, uh -huh. ramped up 2000% or something like that. So I think this is great. I'm not too hip that it, while it's a commercial enterprise that's making this happen, it's really nasa and engineers uh in general that make this possible we stand on the shoulders of giants in nasa and academic fundamental research work hand in hand to make commercial partners capable of doing this you know without public money there is not a commercial partner that can do it on their own they, they have to have big money behind it now some nimrod is going to come and tell me about spacex could do it all by themselves except spacex wouldn't have existed if not for a government funded program to make yeah, it possible can do it with other people's money right <laughs> and that's what he did you know well that's what spacex did the engineers are what made it happen i really wish that more engineers were the billionaires and not well nimrod anyway the success of, uh, of Odysseus uh, brings NASA and its commercial partners finally to the front of the 21st century Mad Moon Dash. I don't think it's the front of the Mad Moon Dash, but whatever. Um, the mission director, Tim Crane, said we're not dead yet, which is, uh, I, 
I don't wow, even like that's that. Really, a ringing endorsement. Yeah, it's faint, but it's there. Uh, a couple hours later, however, Intuitive Machines announced that um, it had established communication and learned that the spacecraft had landed upright on the moon. After troubleshooting communications, flight controllers have confirmed Odysseus is upright and starting to send data. Right now, they're working to downlink the first images of the lunar surface, according to uh, the company, or yeah, according to the company on Twitter. Let's see here. The spacecraft traveled 620,000 miles to aim for its destination, a crater on the moon's south pole. It has um, 12 payloads, six of them belonging to private companies, six of them science experiments for NASA. Pretty cool. So does this yeah. discuss how it originally landed? Um, no. I mean, it says here as Odysseus plummeted to the lunar surface and tilted itself to point the lasers toward the lunar surface to map it out, everything seemed to be going well, but the lander fell out of communication in the final moments of its descent to the lunar surface. I think it's the aliens that were disrupting the communication. Absolutely. Well, do you want an update that came in after this? Sure. It appears to have landed on the si its side, not upright. What is up with things going all hinky? I don't know. In fact, when I saw that, I thought, is this the same thing? Because I swear we saw this on some other landing recently. Apparently, the moon's south pole contains frozen water, permanently shattered craters. All right. That's a new one to me. With mm -hmm. that, fuel astronauts could launch towards Mars from the surface of the moon. And that's really why I'm really interested in the moon, is that it'll be a, a, a essentially without gravity launches off to Mars. It, you'd be able to jam pack a, a ton of fuel in, in a rocket and send it off. And the only problem really with a moon launched rocket would be that if you do fire it with oxygenated fuel so that it can actually have a thruster, um, it's going to be blowing that moon dust all over the place and it's going to sandblast anything within the probably the moon's orbit. There's going to be all of these microfine particles all over the place. I don't know if anybody talks about that kind of stuff, but... So I don't know why it's so tricky. We've apparently landed there before, you know, in 72. So why aren't we able to land now? Yeah. What has changed? Our GPS is broken. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We've been talking about the earth to moon GPS. Maybe that's what they need to do. They need to put a GPS in orbit around the moon and then everything can map off of that because obviously looking down at the moon, people are, the, the devices are all getting all drunk and landing on their side. Anyway. Okay. So let's keep on going. Our next article is over in uh, hatch ideas report. The majority of recent college grads ends up in jobs that don't need bachelor degrees or bachelor's degrees. So um, let me throw this article into the chat. But the reason why I put this here is because I think that this is a wrong headed perspective about education. Um, 
So it says two research companies looked at a data set of 60 million Americans and the majority of recent college grads end up in jobs that don't need bachelor's degrees. But here's my take. Okay. So first off the articles over at entrepreneur.com, Sharon Shibu is the author and the deck statement is that thing about the two companies looked at 60 million Americans. The takeaway. Um, is that they looked at 60 million people to see how recent graduates fared in the job market. And the majority of grads from 2012 to 2021 said that they were working in fields that did not require a degree. (laughs) Okay. But are they thriving? Are they working three other jobs? So, uh, you know what? Let's do that. Let's look at the article and then I'll give my perspective because I don't, I mean, maybe this will actually temper my response. The Burning Glass Institute, a data research company, and the Strata Education Foundation, a talent research firm, released a study on Thursday that found that uh, the majority of recent college graduates who got their bachelor's degree between 2012 and 2021 um, in the U.S. were not in a job that required their degree. More than half of the graduates, 52%, were underemployed, quote-unquote underemployed, which basically means that they were employed in an area that didn't match their academic capabilities per the study, working in fields that did not require a bachelor's degree to enter it, such as food service, office support, sales, construction, retail. I don't know. (laughs) Depending on what the area of construction is, depending on the area of retail is, depending on the area of office support, food service, depending on what the job function was. I have a problem with a lot of this without greater fidelity. Moreover, 73% of those fields 10 years after graduation, they stayed there. Well, that could be a lack of ambition or other. Or a lack of opportunity. Or lack of opportunity, yeah. Even though the typical uh, college graduate performs better in the labor market than workers with high school diplomas, a sizable share, quote, a sizable share of graduates do not experience the economic outcome they'd expected from earning a bachelor's degree. Uh, College majors such as communication, journalism, psychology, and visual and performing arts reported the highest levels of underemployment, um, while health professions such as nursing had the lowest underemployment rates. But That's now. (laughs) Um, And this is almost caused by the medical professions themselves, because when MBAs come on board, um, it's very protective. So who's going to come up with a cure that solves the world's woes if it means that the business model is condemned? And, And I'm not really... I'm not very serious that like it's a conspiracy to keep people sick or anything. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, people that are getting sick, a lot of medication being doled out and it's very nebulous in how things are being treated. Um, you know, people are getting categorized as having this malady or that malady. And we really don't know we are treating the symptoms. Um, And right now we are recovering from a pandemic and aging population and long-term sick population. So health professions also require specified training. You don't even need a four-year degree 
to work in the health professions, for instance, you need to be a certified phlebotomist to draw blood. You don't need a bachelor's degree, but you do need to go through health profession training and get cleared for it. And you become a registered nurse or something like that. Um, so it says the report all, uh, also showed that there are financial effects associated with underemployment. Recent grads uh, make a median of $60,000 annual while underemployed grads make 40. Again, the opportunity is what matters. Uh, even if you have a degree, but there's no opportunity, you're not going to make it out. Um, and all of these are liberal arts, not hard science. Well, that's true. So, and liberal arts typically have at the at the two year and four year degree a, a certain level of academic uh, requirement, and so typically in things like psychology in particular, you're not doing jack shit with a psychology degree until you have a PhD or a master's at least. And during that time, you're either a, a research assistant or teaching assistant, or you're uh, doing something in a psychologist's office. You're doing research while you're earning your master's. It's an oddball kind of tie in here. Psychology is actually a science and an art <laughs> uh, because you have to understand humans, um, which isn't, there is no fine line with humans. Which is certainly a mystery. Yeah. So um, researchers use 2022 data and determine median earnings. And um, yeah, they don't really say anything. Unlike high school grads, though, underemployed grads still shoulder an average debt of $34,700 for their degrees. Yeah. And that's because school loans used to not be that massive. But when school loans were guaranteed by the federal government, everybody got school loans and the schools wrap uh, lifted up their tuition rates. Um, and, but everybody got loans. So they were all guaranteed to, you know, give money out. Now you have to pay it all back, but none of this really addresses my angle on this. It shouldn't matter. <laughs> Why? Because you don't want a dumb population. Right. Yeah. You want, to have a an, an intelligent, educated, holistic society, not just workforce. Correct. The, humans aren't tools that should be only unitasked with getting job ready for this particular field. And then they're stuck there until some employer decides that they're sick of their shit and they replace them with a robot because that's where it's headed. Again, I'll say it again. If I can take your job and turn it into a series of steps, then you are an algorithm. And if you're an algorithm, I can throw you into a bot and your job is gone. It's automated, baby. I can sit there and throw you in Atlas and you can work in some field somewhere, wherever it is. If I can, again, put you into a series of steps and there's the same outcome all the time, or even subtle changes in the outcome, that's how sophisticated the automation is. Then off you go, bye-bye human position, robot. Um, and if the Optimus bot from Tesla comes into existence and it has the fine motor skills that humans do, 
jobs are really screwed because uh, it can, right now it has pressure sensitivity. You add on the other research that we've seen, like heat um, and actual, the ability to sense texture the the way that this bot moves right now it could probably sew it could probably tie shoelaces it it basically is a human it just has to be programmed a certain way to do it to do whatever the task is and that's what a person that becomes job ready with that goal in mind that's what they are a robot they just happen to think and have a soul because you're a human but automation takes it all away. Also takes all of the HR related matters away. I don't have to worry about your schedule. I could just plop that bot there and you'll be doing that stuff all day long, whatever the bot is. And so I want everybody to get free education. I want it paid for by society and I want everybody to get a baseline two or four year degree ultimately. Um, but they still have to try. I, I'm, I don't want society to just give you money and you color by number your way through academia. I want critical thinking forced. I want due diligence forced. I want action forced. You have to do the tasks. Otherwise, you're just a bunch of robots, not really thinking about anything. You're just doing a task that somebody, the, the man, Anyway, you become an indentured servant because somebody tells you what to do and you spit out the widget that they tell you to make. That's not what I want. I want educated people that are capable of thinking uh, for themselves and thinking critically and being able to do due diligence without waiting until the next time they meet somebody and say, hey, you know, I had this question, you know, go do a search, go and talk to people, find out the answer. You know, we were talking about this in another article. I don't think it was mentioned here, but there is a big difference in what is required versus what will actually get you hired. Uh -huh. So, for instance, somebody who had a, a degree and then the job announcement didn't require the degree. Well, maybe they got hired because they had the degree. Right. Yeah. Or some other subtle nuance within their CV or their um introduction letter something right yeah right that's related at least indirectly to the degree to their education exactly and look they know how to string a bunch of words together you know to make Which they one... might have learned in college <laughs> well guaranteed they learned in college you know it's very rare that somebody comes out of high school fully versed in english Right, like or whatever writing a the cover letter or whatever for a right. job. Exactly. Oh, good. Well, I can tell you stories. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Reality Hacker. Vision Pro visors are cracking and no one knows why. And I can't believe that this is referred to as a visor, but that's okay. You know the face, that big sheet of glass in the front of the... You mean the goggles? The goggles, yeah. That big, that big pane of glass. Yeah, the, the main part of it. Yeah, it's a different spelling now. <coughs> Pardon me for coughing. So Alan Truly over at Digital Trends put the article together and it has a picture of the Vision Pro pane of glass with a crack right down the middle of it. 
Wow. Oh, and they even say that have cracks in the middle at the bottom of the front glass. One second. Sorry I mean, if day. you're going to pay $3,500, I think you want it crack free. Yeah. So the front vision, uh, the front glass of the Apple Vision Pro is cracking down the middle for a small but growing number of people. And I don't give a shit that it's a small number of people, just like uh, somebody sitting there going, well, it only affects, you know, these eight people. If you were one of the eight people, you'd be pissed. You wouldn't sit there and just go, eh, whatever. No. Particularly if you shelled out 3,500 bucks, come on, don't be sociopathic. This is pissing off people. And if it continues, I don't want anybody to sit there and discount this because nobody gave me a discount on cracked $3,500 glasses. I paid 3,500 bucks for them. Now they're breaking. This could be something as easy as they're already under stress when they were made. And so when somebody pushes just a little bit on one side of the curved glass, it cracks right there. It could be that simple to discover it too. Why is it cracking right there? The cause is a mystery because the owners say that they didn't drop it, mishandle it, or because the head or, or abuse the headset in any way. But of course, everybody's going to say that. After an outlier 18 days ago, several more owners have reported the same problem occurring in the last 48 hours. And as word gets out, more people are going to sit there and go, oh, look, mine are doing it too. So Apple hasn't said anything about it. If you pay for uh, the repair, it costs $800 to replace the front glass. If you buy the $500 Apple Care um, plan, uh, the cost drops to $300. So you're still out 800. So I guess break it again and break it again. So no. look, I don't know. Wasn't there something about how much the, the uh, maintenance plan or whatever costs for this? Yeah, it was 500 article? bucks. Yeah, it's 500 okay. bucks. Um, and it's the Apple Care Plus plan because they're so expensive. It's 500 bucks. Um, and yeah, we had talked about this. So they say an insane 10 foot drop test resulted in a vision pro visor that cracked like uh, automotive safety glass, but drops weren't the issue according to ongoing reports from vision pro owners. There's another one. This vision pro had a long crack running from top to bottom. So it split right down the middle. I don't know how these are formed, but this crack is suspiciously precise. I agree, but then that might be like a design flaw, right? Yeah. But it does. It's like a most perfect cracks wouldn't line. be that uniform. Yeah. It is a perfect line. I I would not be surprised if they find out somebody needs to do a stress test with this to see where the tension really is on this pane of glass. Um, and um, maybe they'll find out that this thing is under tension and the slightest flaw, a little bump, uh, anything, something is going to cause it to split. So they say, of course, the Vision Pro doesn't fold. It does, however, have a complex curvature in that region that rolls over the bottom edge while simultaneously bending upward to make room for the nose. Um, 
Is Apple's glass manufacturing too complex? There were reportedly manufacturing issues that de delayed the Vision Pro's launch and, and uh, Digital Trends links to uh, another digitaltrends.com article. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I suspect that there is something, I mean, it's almost downright obvious, but, um, you know, when I sit there and say this, well, there's obviously a problem, but I think the problem is that this is the glass is created in a way that it's still stressed. And that fracture is because it just can't maintain that. Uh, angle of attack so one little bump too much heat and then coming into the cold or you know one way or another it's causing this sheet to just fracture right there i would not pay for that i mean i would i would be freaking livid if my 3500 and more than one report it, obviously if i was disingenuous and i dropped it and then i said it didn't drop it yeah. Okay. Well, you're a horrible person, but, um, these people did not drop it, you know? And I think it's going to well, come out Well, this is more why you don't buy $3,500. First iteration. Glasses, right? Yeah. yeah. Version two. Watch version two. And this pane of glass is going to be straight as a freaking arrow. <laughs> There's not going to be all graceful, curvy, nothing. It, this, this right here, the, the, the little, Thing that it bolts onto it's going to go from all curvy to it's going to be curvy um but it's going to be they're going to get rid of the lcd or led or the oled screen behind this pane of glass and they're just going to start looking in like a tesla cyber truck all angly and ugly although i like that i mean i like angles anyway let's keep going I don't want to spend too long. Uh, the next article is over on the Mobile Channel Star Trek Discovery uh, crew preps for the last dance in new season five trailer. I haven't watched this yet, uh, but this is going to be a final year of discovery. <laughs> I like the title of that. That's my title. Um, as the countdown to Star Trek Discovery's final season continues, the season four premiere is April 5th. Sorry, I don't know what my brain just threw in there. The season five premiere is April 4th on Paramount Plus. We have our latest peek at how the story will wrap up and from the looks of it, and perhaps unsurprisingly, farewells will be among the themes foregrounded in the story. Uh, the article is by Cheryl Eddy over at gizmodo.com. Um, a Star Trek series starring, is it Sonique? Martin Green as Captain Sonequa? Is it Sonequa? A Sonequa Martin Green. I don't remember ever. Huh. Okay. Anyway, as Captain Michael I don't remember Burnham, seeing that at the beginning of the show. I guess I don't remember her name. Anyway, as Captain Michael Burnham returns for its final season, April 4th on Paramount. Why did they say season four? In that little snippet, didn't it say season four? No, I think it was just the date. Oh, maybe I just munched all that together. Weird. Sorry about that, folks. Anyway, it's been a hell of a journey, but everything ends someday, says uh, Captain Michael Burnham. Uh, as the trailer begins, 
that's sad. They're already like coming out of the gate swinging that it's uh, that it's over. Seemingly addressing not just whoever in Discovery's cast that's sharing the scene with her, but the fans too. Last dance, she later says wistfully to Commander Saru, who replies he's not or he's ready to follow her lead. So who knows what's going on with this? Let me pause this. If I can pause this, make it a little difficult to actually see. Look, I'm clicking that like nobody's business. There we go. Thank you. It does not want to pause. It does not. So, um, yeah, it says we'll be sorry. The author says we'll be sorry to see this chapter of Starfleet history close, but we're looking forward uh, to the ride. And I agree. I'm really interested. I love the modern Star Trek. Um, but I am a little saddened by the fact that it's darker um, and, and much more aggressive than I remember uh, any other version. Even Deep Space Nine seemed to be lighter in its, I don't know, in its atmosphere than Discovery uh, by a long shot. And there was a war during Deep Space Nine. But I think it depends on the viewer. So if they are a prior Star Trek viewer, maybe so. But if they're just watching Discovery as their first Star Trek show, they might not have that same assessment. Maybe it's normal. Yeah, I guess so. But then they're going to look back and they're going to go, oh, I don't know about this. Yep. Do you think that people are going out and buying Saru brand shoes? Like, do you think that there's Nike shoes that are that look like Saru's? I don't think so. Do I don't see? think that's going to be comfortable for most people. Yeah, I can see that in the photo. Yeah, he has to arc his whole body to keep himself uh, standing upright. He developed a whole new walk and everything so that he could actually do that. Um, that'd be funny. I'm going to have to do a search to see if I can find Saru shoes. Show up to the office in those and watch people go, what the hell? <laughs> unless they're a star trek discovery then they'll know. they're like hey cool shoes um again this article is over at gizmodo.com from cheryl eddy um but the link is in uh, the vod it's going to be in the show notes it'll be over on um, hometown.com okay oh and by the way don't forget follow us over here on twitch.tv slash hometown, go over to YouTube, follow us, ring the bell, do all of that kind of stuff. And then download the podcast, leave a five-star review, go over to the discord, leave a comment. That'd be great. Okay. Let's keep going or not. Uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Dra yeah. Dramatic dead air. Uh, the next article is over in the model channel, how to build your own robot friend, making AI education more accessible from smart virtual assistants and self-driving cars to digital health and fraud prevention systems. AI technology is transforming almost every aspect of our daily lives and education is no different for all its promise. The rise of AI, like any new technology raises some pressing ethical and equity questions. There's the biggest equity question is access to technology if everybody had a laptop there wouldn't be the same level of equity related issue but what about the data that goes into it too it's not necessarily equitable 
Well, yeah. It, uh, so there have been some reports that the information that's going into and coming out of AI has a racial inequality uh, bias. And I can... I can totally expect that. And that's because historically um, academia and technology in general has been um, weighted more towards white middle-class males. Um, because the first person when I was just barely, my first interaction with the internet was when I was 10 years old and I was using 110 baud modem on a military base and I would I type something in after dialing uh, on a rotary dial and waiting for the sound and then off I went and the person that I interacted with I had no idea what race gender age anything right Years later, I find out that the chances of this being anything other than a middle-class white male was slim to none. It was on par with my chances of becoming an NFL superstar and dating Taylor Swift. By the way, a Taylor Swift uh, album that's made off of the Kelsey um, relationship is going to sell like hotcakes that is true <laughs> anyway so yeah um and this is actually coming out more and more but nobody should be surprised by this unfortunately nobody should be no surprised i by agree this. i mean there we've seen enough signs and i think this is unfortunately this is inevitable until we start making other societal changes yeah um like everybody should be treated as equal and they're i know some pretty wild concepts i mean it's pretty amazing but no what we end up with are people sitting there in response to something like black lives matter somebody is sitting there going all well all lives matter to which i say pull your head out of your butt and look around if there was no reason to sit there and say black lives matter, nobody would be saying black lives matter. Right. There might be a reason behind there, that saying. There, there is always a reason why something is taking place. It may not come out at first blush what the real reason is, but in the case of black lives matter, black lives matter. The reason why I say it like that is because there are some people that have an agenda and it's either greed bound or a political ideological bent bound or religious or whatever myriad reasons why somebody would taint the real message, like calling a bill, a freedom bill, but then it's about mass surveillance, you know, that kind of a thing. But when somebody sits there and says black lives matter, guess what? Black lives matter start paying attention so when ai and education cross paths the equity side of this is that not everybody has access to technology that gives them the ability to access and maybe course correct ai's bias by inputting data or drawing attention to the fact that there is some bias internal to ai systemically 
And you can do this with every single field, every single area of society. There is a bias and it's typically because uh, those who have money, power, influence are, it's ever changing to greater equity. Uh, but even today, <laughs> it's still white middle-class males that already have come from affluence. So it's not like they ever struggled. And I will argue probably until my deathbed that the evidence is obvious that as you move up in affluence, you become sociopathic. Anyway, that's a side note to this. This article is over at fizz.org, Caitlin Dawson and Rania Sotirdo over at University of Southern California put this article together. I'm not quite sure why they have this, but they say USC researchers have created a low cost accessible learning kit to help college and high school students build uh, their own robot friend. Is this the robot friend? It looks like 3D printed ears. And uh, I hope it is. It's much cuter than I would expect for a robot. Like a little sack toy kind of a thing, right? It's like a knitted sack toy. Um, so uh, how can we ensure that such a powerful tool can be accessed by all students, regardless of background? Inspired by this call to action, USC researchers have created a low cost accessible learning kit to help college and high school students build their own robot friend. Students can personalize the robot's body, uh, program the robot to mimic their head posture and learn about AI ethics and fairness in an engaging and accessible way. I want this. The system is outlined in a new study called Build Your Own Robot Friend, an open source learning module for accessible and engaging AI education. I might have to get this. It's over on archive um, and presented at the AAAI conference on artificial intelligence um, education symposium track. So I'm probably going to end up getting this. Um, yeah, so it is a little robot um, framework and then you put your little like body all over it. Like, I don't know what it is. A currently pre-built ro robot such as the uh, NAO are unaffordable for schools with limited resources while educational uh, robot kits such as the Lego Mindstorm, though affordable, do not adapt to students at different levels. Plus it's Lego Mindstorms. It's not something personable. It's appreciable, but not everybody resonates with Lego Mindstorm. So to make the robot more affordable, they develop strategies to subsidize its costs. I actually know of a, a group that might want to facilitate this. So I'm going to make a, I'm going to reach out to somebody and see if maybe they can crowdfund a, a, this project. Uh, to make the robot more affordable, they develop strategies to subsidize its cost. In the version of Blossom presented in the study, the materials are created using 3D printers instead of more costly laser printing, which... Uh, no. No. Okay, anyway. Um, currently, one of the team's customizable robots costs around $250 to make. In comparison, the NAO robot costs around $15,000. That's probably because this isn't seeking profit. Um, O'Connell, who learned to crochet during the pandemic, designed five new Blossom exteriors and created detailed, easy to follow patterns and tutorials for each version, including a baby onesie, knitted and crocheted options, uh, which are all low cost and customizable. So this seems like it's r really cool, but there's a lot of goodwill 
that's involved in making this thing cost approachable. Um, and that's kind of the shame here is that it, it takes people who shouldn't be sacrificing to sacrifice, right? Educators are already making less than they should be. Um, right. Then they're spending on supplies and everything out of their own pockets. Exactly. Um, and while again, I think it's great. It's not the actual cost, um, of the operation. Um, so, I mean, I appreciate this and I think that that, it, you know, I think it's needed. Um, so in continued work, the team plans to further evaluate and improve the module for high school students and K through 12 students. Ultimately, the researchers hope to expand access for students at different educational levels. Um, so yeah, I'm going to make a, a call. Um, it'll have to be on Monday. I can't do it during the weekend, but I'll reach out to somebody and see if I can put them in touch with this because uh, they already do uh, 3D printed based crowdfunding um, and crowd production, um, uh, typically during Christmas. Um, but maybe this can help um, their particular uh, project as well. To reduce the cost and development time for the learners, the team customized and simplified Blossom. Um, she previously used the robot to design better AI voices for mindfulness exercises while O'Connell programmed it to act as a study buddy for students with ADHD symptoms. That's neat. Like that reminding the students, hey, go study. Hey, maybe it sounds like the, the little, oh, I can't remember what they call it. Oh, I'm going to lose my credibility here if I had any. Um, where it says, hey, listen, and and you're supposed to pay attention to what the little pixie says. Oh God, I forgot it. Anyway, I better move on. This seems like it's a really fun project um, and uh, does that social good that I think all businesses should partake in. And they do it out of the goodness of their heart, not because it's a freaking tax write-off. Okay, so the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. U.S. tracking high altitude balloon over Midwest. I asked, is it a Chinese New Year balloon? Um, the North American Aerospace. It sure could be. It might be. You just, you don't know. Uh, but they say that they're tracking a small balloon at roughly 43,000 to 45,000 feet. The FAA is also assisting with the monitoring of the balloon. NORAD fighter jet scrambled over Utah and determined it was not maneuverable and did not present a threat to national security. Just blow it out of the sky. <laughs> it's not supposed to be there. NORAD will continue to track and monitor the balloon. The FAA also determined the balloon has no hazard to flight safety. Uh, they're very amicable. Brad Dress over at thehill.com put this article together. They haven't maybe said it's anything. Maybe three school buses in size, so maybe they don't, they're not worried about it. Um... I think it was Taiwan that said that like a dozen of these balloons have floated over it in the last year. Um, the incident comes a little more after a year, uh, a little more than a year after Chinese, uh, Chinese, I was going to say Chinese government, China flew a spy balloon over the mainland U.S. before an American fighter jet shot it out of the sky off the coast of South Carolina. Uh, Beijing denied the balloon was used for reconnaissance, despite Washington showing evidence that it had antennas and other surveillance equipment. 
China has also flown spy balloons. Oh, there it is over Taiwan and other countries in a campaign. The U.S. as global in scope. Well, that's nice. Um, so the Chinese spy balloon also forced NORAD to tweak radars to look for potential threats at higher altitude um, and smaller targets because this apparently didn't actually show up. So, or it did. Even though it was three school buses long. Yeah, that is now a measure of distance. So how many school buses or how many Chinese spy balloon school buses does it take to get from one side of the country to the other? Uh, apparently a couple of days of NORAD tracking. That's the full measurement. And you thought that converting from uh, uh, what from uh, Imperial to metric was oh, going to be that's tough. Right. <laughs> Just wait till you have to transition from Imperial to metric to Chinese surveillance balloon. That's going to be a bitch. Let's keep going. Our last article for tonight is over in hometown daily. A former Gizmodo writer changed his name to Slackbot and stayed undetected for months. <laughs> Hiding wow. on Slack isn't all that hard. Apparently if you just pretend that you're a bot, that's what it brews. Tom McKay did when he left Gizmodo in 2022 and he went undetected by the site's management for months. In a post on the website formerly known as Twitter, McKay shared some screenshots of the new Slack bot persona he took on after his official after he officially left Gizmodo. He also confirms to The Verge that he that the silly prank really did happen. What's interesting about this, though, is I wonder if Slack bot is a trademark term and he actually violated trademark by using it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look it up unless you're going to do that. So Emma Roth over at The Verge put the article together and the deck statement says management didn't pick up on the duplicate Slack bot or its grouchy new eyebrows. So I guess he did So that. Slack doesn't um, put a trademark symbol next to Slack bot. Oh, so it really doesn't matter. Although that's but always But they nebulous. have Slack bot all over their site. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to look it up on USPTO. So in a post on the, on the Twitter website, um, cause I refuse to ask. Oh, by the way, um, uh, Elon Musk is getting like really pissed off at people who are dead naming the website formerly known as Twitter. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if you're not glued to Slack for a moment, the day, uh, for most of the day, like the author is, then you might not know that Slackbot is the friendly robot that lives in the messaging service. And if you do things like set reminders, find out your office's Wi-Fi password or let you know uh, when you've been mentioned in a channel that you're part of, that's Slackbot. Um, and Discord does similar kind of things. Um, and uh, Ometown actually on the Twitch site has a bot called Omatron that um, does similar things. Uh, let's me know if you know the right command, <laughs> uh, certain things. Anyway, the move camouflage McKay's active Slack account for months, letting his account evade deletion, uh, evade deletion. It also allowed him to send bot like messages to his colleagues, such as Slack bot fact of the day. Hi, I'm Slack bot. That's a fact. Have a slackly day. My colleague Victoria Song, who previously worked at Gizmodo, isn't all that surprised that the situation unfolded and says that, quote, as Tom's former co-worker and a 
a G slash O media survivor. What is G slash O? Gizmodo? Go media? I guess Geo media. Maybe. I don't know. Um, media survivor, this tracks. So I guess they were known for <laughs> pulling this kind of a prank and not being detected. Um, isn't surprised. Anyway, they left Gizmodo. I'm surprised that like Gizmodo didn't write about this, you know, and at least poke fun at it. That itself. would have been great. <laughs> but no, um, they're probably pissed. So <laughs> that's some. That's true, but it would have shown some real yeah, personality. I don't know, sense of humor, personality, yeah. etc. Don't take yourself too story. seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, you know what? You need to know who is actually inside your enterprise, and yeah, that's uh, <laughs> clearly not happening here. Yeah, that one's going to be rough to live down. Somebody in the management of the Slack channels is going to be either reprimanded or fired. There might be a position for um, that is Slack true. account, whatever manager. it's called, Slack manager or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Slack community manager. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it. I mean, that last article wasn't really stellar, but. I'm not slacking because we're getting back on the party bus, driving down Main Street. Here is our original page. Marijuana advocates uh, urge Biden to act. Well, what? Break out a bong or something? What? Anyway, should I refresh? What do you think? Um. Yes, you can. Yeah, probably not. So we always refresh. Oh, my goodness. As um, soon as I said it, it, the articles changed at the top. Yeah. That's all I can say. Um, go over to hometown.com, become a citizen. Uh, you get all kinds of um, other functionality activated when you're a citizen. With that in the mind, the continuity I, report was only showing, by the way, <laughs> not the mobile articles. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I don't, I don't lock that banner at the top. So I guess I could, and then I could just hide it. But I'm a dummy. Anyway, maybe I'll fix that. Anyway, Sorry for messing up your outro. <laughs> you're <laughs> fine. Times. It's that's it's fine. It's not a big deal. I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI that is slowly rolling over me like a Chinese spy balloon bus, whatever. I don't know. I'm lost. You want to say bye? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at approximately 6 p.m. We're starting a new show. Um, oh, yeah. We'll have Wanted, and then we will have the Hometown Daily and also Reality Hacker. That's right. And then on Sunday, there's going to be Technology Today, the daily news show, Hometown Daily, and Continuity Report. Wow. God, I'm starting to lose track. <laughs> it's getting busy all up in here see you soon oh this time the um, end screen worked see you tomorrow everybody bye bye